What's up, guys? Before we get going, I just wanted to let you know that Marissa, our guest today, has dropped a new promo just for you guys, just for y'all listening to the pod. You can get 25% off your Raw Bites order right now. That's 25% off anything on the website. Use code CASUALLYAMBITIOUS at checkout. You're going to want to place an order after you hear this episode. Go check it out. Welcome visionaries, dreamers, and trailblazers to the Casually Ambitious podcast. I'm your host, Chase Price, and I am thrilled to embark on this journey with you. Here, we dive deep into the realms of wellness, entrepreneurship, and mindset. Let's build a life we love while loving the life we live. The adventure to a more mindful, purposeful, and casually ambitious life starts now. Yeah, yeah, I think that's good. Um, I'll let you know if we need to adjust or anything throughout, but I think we're good. You ready to rock? Let's do it. Let's do it. Marissa Bromel. Is that how you say? Bromel? Sure. Bromel? Yeah. Bromel. <laughs> I like bro. Let's go with the bromel. Bromel. <laughs> AKA Raw Bites by Marissa. Thank you so much for coming on the pod and joining me today. Thank you for having me. Excited to chat with you. Two things in particular that I was really excited to have you on. One, to speak about entrepreneurship as a fellow business owner here in Charlotte. And then two, you're a huge traveler. I just looked at your Instagram today and wanted to count the tiny little flags. I think I counted <laughs> 22. Is that right? I've never counted. <laughs> I really haven't. You haven't counted the passport stamps or anything like that before? No, but I cherish that. I had to yeah. get a new one recently. I did too. It's sad. I know. But you keep the other one like in a safe spot. You know and just like going back frame to the memories. <laughs> so you don't even know how many countries you've been to? Uh-uh. Okay. Interesting. Maybe 22. Because like, when I did that. it, I was like, what am I missing? But yeah. <laughs> nice. It's about to be 23. I'll okay. be in Peru in nine days. Nice. Oh, I'm so jealous of Peru. I want to do Machu Picchu so badly. I'll so be there. Good. You're going? Mm-hmm. It's kind are of you, hard to get there. It is. It's expensive, it's, too. It's expensive. There's a little bit. So are you doing it to where you're like hiking to get up there? Or are you doing like the quick and easy way to get up there? I'm taking the train there. Okay. But that's a whole experience in itself. Right. Right. Like a whole cultural experience. They give you like a meal made in front of you on the train. Nice. Of course, the Pisco Sour is the national <laughs> drink. But then they do like cultural dances and shows on the train. Nice. And then when we're there, we're going to hike. Nice. Up to Huayana Peak. Mm-hmm. Like the, you know, the classic look of Machu Picchu with all the the, the steps behind it. There's that massive mountain. Mm-hmm. We're going to hike that. Yeah. And you're going to be able to get to the top of that, just look down into mm-hmm. the valley and see Machu Picchu and just be like, holy shit. Yeah. That's what I want. Like, that's quite the zoom out moment. Yeah. Like, how small we are. What prompted you to pick this as your next trip? So, I'm, I've am i been in, like, the Latin scene this past year. I'm a salsa dancer. I have seen your salsa dancing videos. Love that. Love it. I'm <laughs> totally immersed in the Latin culture. Okay. Love it. And I went to Colombia in March mm-hmm. with my friend Miranda. Shout out where to eat. And that was incredible. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I've done Asia, gratefully, for a couple of years. And that was eye-opening in itself. And I also did Europe back in like 2015 to 17. And I also traveled there growing up. So I just like a new culture. And Latin culture is so different. All mm-hmm. of South America. So... And I've always wanted to see Machu Picchu since I was little. It's like so unique mm-hmm. compared to all the other UNESCO heritage sites. So I was like, why not? 
what got you prompted on this Latin kick that you've been on? Did you just sign up for some salsa classes or like how did that come about? Uh, when I was living in China, I was dating an Italian mm. and he was like, you're going to do salsa dancing with me. I was like, no, I'm not. That's not me. I don't dance. I was like a, lif- a weightlifter always and a gymnast, but dancing? I was mm. like, no, that's too uncomfortable. And then I loved it. And I was so good. And it was like, you know, it's where you can express yourself. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. And then I came here in 2020 and I wanted to keep doing it, but I had really, I'd broke my back when I was 16. So I could oh. gymnastics. Mm. I was a gymnast for 12 years, really competitive and did a backflip on the beam, landed in half on my back and broke mm-hmm. it. I was in a back brace for a year. Oh my God. So like I always dealt with back pain. Do you still deal with it? No. No. But it was only in the past like two years when I found a chiropractor here mm-hmm. who was a holistic chiropractor, not just adjust you and go, mm-hmm. change the game, like get your nervous system in line, everything else falls in place, your energy, your mood, that changed the game for me. Mm-hmm. But thankfully, and then shout out to Precision Chiropractic, that's who I go to, down to Matthews. Nice. I recommend him to everyone, but I found Room Bao Latin Dance here. It was like the most highly rated on you know, word of mouth and Google. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing. It's not just the dance, like they're a full community. And it's so beautiful. Like community is really what makes something special, right? Mm-hmm. Not the thing itself. So that's how I picked, I thought I would just pick it up with lessons here like I did in China, but you really just get immersed in the people mm-hmm. and the energy there. And that's the thing I've, in everything I do in life, that's the thing that, make something special or meaningful is the people yeah and the energy and the love not like what you're doing but and i just loved it mm-hmm. and i've now i'm now on all their teams we travel we can oh, we perform we do it all so sick do you guys have any upcoming like tournaments or travel or <laughs> tournaments <laughs> i don't know you're an called. athlete <laughs> <laughs> um dance off yeah it's like step up <laughs> In December, like December 15th, that's yeah. the next big like dance recital, if you will. Okay. And everyone that has a routine who's been working hard gets together. Everyone will come and watch, fam- family, friends, mm-hmm. and we'll perform there. Nice. And so your dance partner, how does that work? Is it just whoever you're clicking with in class, or is it you pick him out and you're like, you're the guy. Like, I've seen you on the dance floor. I like your style. How does that work? With well, I did that partner? approach where I picked you out, and now I'm dating him for a year, so... <laughs> that's that how that went nicely. that went well he's my dance partner his name's eduardo he's actually okay. the director of Rumbao. okay cool. and uh that's fun but yeah. for teams if anyone can join a team mm-hmm. and then if you you know stick with it mm-hmm. and learn the routine and get to perfect it then you get to perform okay love yeah. that so that makes makes sense why you've been more invested in the latin community lately yeah let's let's backtrack a little bit so let's backtrack to the beginning of your travel journey which was Mm -hmm. southeast asia or was it prior to that well my my mom's side of the family is italian okay from calabria and so growing up i think starting at eight they were taking me to italy Mm. maybe like every other year or two uh south of france just kind of around even germany so I had that European travel experience growing up and just Italians are, they're a lot, right? So I always had that every holiday, the, the culture, it's beautiful. Um, and then in 2015, I lived in Italy 
Okay. I studied abroad. It was about a year. And like a classic student studying abroad, every weekend was a party, traveling somewhere else. So that's where I got a lot of Europe, you know, Greece, Hungary, Germany, mm -hmm. um, all around there. And that was beautiful. I mean, Europe is absolutely gorgeous. But then in 2018, I left. I was in the medical field in Colorado. That's where I'm from. Okay. And when I had you a, say medical field, like in what capacity? Okay, so I was studying, I had a degree in pre-med and okay. psychology and graduated 2017 and I had a year off before being accepted into med school. That's good. Yeah. Okay. Before being accepted into med school. So in that, I was also an EMT and a medical scribe. Okay. So like, you know, graduated, went into the med field, but uh, yeah, EMT and a medical scribe for about a year. And I had a year off now until being accepted. So I was like, you know, I'm kind of sick of Colorado. I've been here a long time. A lot of memories. Um, you know, it was really like a big breakup I had in Colorado that pushed me to be like, just something new, mm -hmm. something different. And what's more different than China? So that's how I picked China. I just, I just went. I, I didn't go through a program. Mm -hmm. I Googled international schools that would take me even though I didn't have any degree in education and I interviewed with a couple and one chose me and at this point you're teaching in the medical space or you're just teaching English in China just English okay. I didn't have any any anything in yeah. teaching okay um but you know as long as you're you have an American passport and you speak fluent English They'll take you. They took me. They just need warm bodies to mm -hmm. teach, teach English over yeah. there. Yeah, <laughs> especially the kindergartners. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what part oh of my China? God. So the first year was called Wujang, and Wujang. it was like an hour and a half south of Shanghai. Okay. And then I moved like 30 minutes more north my second year in a huge city called Suzhou. Okay. And that's like still my little home today. I love it. Mm. But... Yeah, that 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 changed everything for me. Yeah, so, everything. So you just kind of bought the one way ticket mm -hmm. because you wanted something different. You needed a change in your life. Yeah, I can just everything. I, I can resonate with that. I did the, a very similar thing after I graduated college. Um, I was such, I, so I majored in entrepreneurship. Okay, knew I wanted to start something. Didn't know what I wanted to start. Just started trying some things. Started to do a t-shirt company. Didn't work. Started to do. Uh, web design that actually started to gain some traction. So I was like, okay, web design, web design. Uh, these websites need photos. So I started taking pictures. These websites start, they need landing page videos. So I started, I bought a GoPro and started doing that stuff. And that's when I realized I had a knack for the video side of it and I actually liked it. So I was like, okay, I got two options. I can stay locally and shoot for like coffee shops and shoot for, you know, your neighborhood little mom and pop shops for free just to build my portfolio mm -hmm. or next to nothing. Or I can, while I'm not tied down, like take this huge leap of faith and buy a one-way ticket and just go travel. And at this time I was fortunate because there's platforms like, you're probably familiar with like Upwork.com yeah. or Fiverr or whatever. Love Fiverr. Yeah, which you can hire freelancers for really good prices on. I was one of the freelancers at the time and I'm like, I will edit your video remotely. Just send me your GoPro footage. Like people would send me their GoPro travel really? footage. Companies would send me, you know, their raw footage that the guy in marketing had recorded and they just need somebody to put it together, whatever. So that's kind of 
how I got started in that space and why I decided, you know what, let me go travel and build a vast portfolio and try to, you know, do travel vlogs while I'm out here and do this and do that and pick up jobs along the way. So I picked Vietnam because Vietnam was the cheapest country I could possibly find. In terms of living costs? In terms of living, cost of living. I'm sure there's other options, but as far as like nomadic hubs, I picked Da Nang, Vietnam, Mm -hmm. and um, there was a good little, um, what's the term? um, Expat community? What's that? Expat community? Yeah, there's like another term for them for like uh, people who work and live remotely or whatever. Um, Anyway, same thing, expat community. There was a good uh, co-working option there and, and all these things. And so that's why I went. I thought that there was going to be a little bit more, or I guess a little bit less of a language barrier. I just kind of assumed like, you know, that stupid American right. thing of like, people know English. It's going to be oh fine. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know. <laughs> and yeah. then you get thrown in and I'm in the middle of the city and nobody knows English. I, you know, it's a lot of pointing and body language communication mm-hmm. or whatever. Did you have a similar experience when you were in China of like very oh minimal English um, yeah. communication? Yeah. So right like the summer before I went, I actually went to Vietnam, to Ho Chi Minh mm-hmm. and Bangkok, Thailand. And that was like first Asia. It was just two weeks. It was brief. And I was like, oh, wow, like not a lot of English. But I was like, I can do it because mm-hmm. I had a lot of experience. Gratefully, I had that confidence I could do it. But man, China, like especially the first place I went, Wujang. Mm. English none yeah um it wasn't a city but the reason the school paid me so much is because it wasn't a city and they really needed English there and that was shocking that was a culture shock I had a full pan the only panic attack I've ever had full-on panic attack that first night I was was about to say it's like your first night probably you get dropped off you can't communicate with anybody. right from the airport this woman took me down to like this grocery store to get stuff and I still remember it like so vividly, no sign, not one word of English, not one, and I didn't know. And it was Chinese characters. Mm. And they, I don't know, like Chinese doesn't translate to English like every other language does, mm. not at all. And yeah, I just went back up to my room and had, sobbed. Had a good cry. Sobbed. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what am I doing? Yeah. And then I woke up the next day and then... Here I am. Like it went by in a flash. You just get used to it. You truly language, like I think only 15% of language comprehension is the words. The mm-hmm. rest of it is body language, tone. Yeah. It's just shocking how much you can communicate without words. It's true. Yeah. And then you get there and um ideally beforehand you have a little base knowledge for the simple things like thank you, please thank you, like little stuff like that. Did you even have that or no? No, like I practiced for like two weeks before I went to Vietnam just to learn like the essentials because I was, I was like, it's a respect thing. I feel like if they think that I'm trying and putting in the effort, then they're more, you know, more likely to kind of try and and be helpful and and work with me. Um, so after, so how long were you in China for? Two and a half years. Two and a half years. How long did it take you to acclimate to where you felt more comfortable because I remember being in Vietnam I stayed there for a month and then I went to Bali and <laughs> once I was in Bali everybody speaks English it's there so Semenyak did you yeah. go yeah I went to uh Chengdu is where I was you right love same it. spot right love it. um but I remember just being really uncomfortable really the whole month that I was there mm-hmm. how long did it take you to get acclimated where you felt like you know the communication wasn't 
such a huge problem and you felt a little bit more comfortable being there? Probably like four months. Mm-hmm. And w- were you months. fluent at, after that? Or oh, no? no, never. Even my two and a half. Oh, really? Mandarin's really, really hard. There are six tones. Oh, wow. So one word can mean six different things, essentially. Oh, shit. <laughs> it's so hard. Yeah. It's so hard. But, okay. you know, and I was also learning from my kindergartners. Mm-hmm. They would teach me and I would teach them. And uh, so I knew simple, simple Mandarin, enough to get around mm-hmm. taxis, restaurants, grocery stores but no i was never fluent yeah i remember that was never my goal either i remember grocery shopping used to be a very stressful event for me yeah regardless of what country i was in it was it's always a little bit different in different countries so you're like you know how how does this work with like the bags and like you know ringing up your own yeah ringing up your own things weighing certain things Mm -hmm. and like all this different stuff so it was. I remember that being one of the more stressful parts about Grocery living shopping. abroad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't it just give you such an appreciation for how easy it is here? Yeah, it truly does. It truly does. And the other thing um, that I really wanted to ask you about was like, so when I decided to do this, and I still am, but I'm ex- extremely, especially before, extremely introverted individual. Like, I, there's a time and a place for me. So I have to put the, the extrovert hat on. I can in these social mm-hmm. settings. But straight up, I'm introverted. I need to stay at home. I need to recharge the batteries. I need to have some me time, right? Being in these environments where you don't know anybody or you can't even speak the language, totally out of your comfort zone, totally took me out of my extrovert roots and made me kind of have to say, okay, go out and make friends, go to these co-working events, go to these freaking random bars at these places, just interact, meet people and, and learn more about the culture. Um, I'm curious about your experience with that. Like, are you naturally extroverted? Um, was it hard for you to assimilate more in and put yourself out there in those situations or not so much for you? I think I'm naturally extroverted, but it was, it was difficult to get out there because first, like I was one of the only Americans out there. And so I already didn't feel like I fit in because I was so different from them, even Mm -hmm. just, you know, externally different. But then like, that's not to say they were all Chinese, but they were, like, all my friends, even in the two and a half years, they were all from different countries. I was one of the only, like, three Americans I knew. And that was new for me, really, because even living in Europe, there's Americans everywhere. Right. <clears throat> um, but then once I got to understand that they're all looking for the same thing, everyone wants connection, and everyone's, you know, a bit uncomfortable. And it's hard as an adult to make friends and to get out there, you know? And so once I had to adopt the mindset, like, maybe they feel like I do, and it's just reaching out, then it got easier. But if I only focused on, like I did for a couple of months, like, I'm, I'm so different, I'm alone, how, how are they doing that, how do I, it was a lot, it was really hard. And I even think the same thing here sometimes, like, you never know what someone's going through. Right. But yeah, I'm a bit more extroverted than perhaps you are. Yeah. But it's still difficult. 
Yeah. I'm sure you, you felt the same though, as in, in the sense of, I learned so much about myself because oh, at man. that time I was still searching for kind of who I was and I still am Absolutely. to a certain extent, but especially at that time when I'm trying to figure out what my career path is going to be, what I'm going to do with mm-hmm. the rest of my life. And I'm like, who, who am I at the core of it? And like traveling abroad by yourself, I feel like brings mm-hmm. that out more than anything else you could possibly do. It is one of the best things I've ever done is going first of all somewhere new but also alone Mm. like i tell everyone who hears i lived in china they're like i could never do that how did you do that and i'm like you can do it like you just you first just have to decide to do it and then you get to be whoever you want to be whoever you want to be there's no preconceived notion of you like if you go anywhere in south end you know like anywhere in charlotte um you can just start fresh. And that is a gift of finding out who you really are and your values and what really matters to you. Like that's truly what I found abroad is what actually matters in life. And that helps you derive your why, you know, not just your why for your career, but well, why in anything, why in anything, you know, your relationship, why, like, what are you in it for your friendships? Why, why do you have these friendships? Like, People just don't want friends. There's a reason, something you get from it, and it's always a feeling. You know, everything in life is a feeling that you get. Mm-hmm. So to find that why, it like it gives you clarity on how to get there because you you create this life. So traveling ab- abroad and alone, mm-hmm. it's a gift. Yeah, even though it's hard. So after you spend two years in China, mm-hmm. about give or take. What was the process after that? Where did you go? Did you come back to the States or did you continue to travel abroad at that point? Uh, No, I traveled a lot when I was there. So being in international school, they give you the Western holidays and the Eastern. So like every three months about, I had vacation. So I traveled Hong Kong. I went to Philippines, Thailand again, um, all over China. Absolutely beautiful. Um, so I did a lot of traveling out there. And even those individual countries alone are so different mm-hmm. from China. Um, so I'm really grateful to have all those experiences. And then in 2020, I had got accepted to med school in Boston University. Um, and I was like, I have to take it, even though it didn't feel right anymore. Right. I was like, this is what I you know, studied medicine for seven years. My parents think this is what I'm doing. That's why I told everyone I'm doing. I told myself this is what I'm doing. So I left China, but it was during COVID. Mm -hmm. So there was no on-class campus. It was all remote. And that's how I picked Charlotte because it was close enough, same time zone, and a lot cheaper to live here Mm. because Boston's expensive. Mm -hmm. So I was like, why am I going to live there in the horrible weather when Charlotte seems a lot better, even though I've never been here? So it was yet again another experience of going somewhere alone Do you have starting any over. Did you know anyone here? I've never even been. I just picked it. <laughs> I just that. picked it and went. I love that. I love that. I, I, I knew some people here, so not as quite as drastic as you. But I, I was in the same boat. I came back from being abroad and I was like, well, I guess I got to set up shop somewhere. And kind of, I was like, I went to East Carolina, so that's towards mm. the coast. But I knew some people in Charlotte. It seemed to be like a, a bustling, thriving 
economically thriving place at the time. This is 20 late 2017, early 2018. So, um, definitely a different landscape from when you came though in 2020 when it, during COVID and everything. That's what I heard. Everyone was like, Oh, only if you got here a year earlier. Yeah. Well, I mean, it would have been, you know, kind of similar to that anywhere you would have went at 2020, you know? But um, sure. so you, you set up shop in Charlotte and then how long do you last uh, <laughs> at school? Not long. Yeah. How long? Immediately. It was not in alignment with who I was. Not just. Fundamentally, you had changed abroad. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, it was only the first semester in med school, but off the bat, they were, it was very heavy pharmaceuticals, push this drug, this disease, this drug, give them this drug for that side effect. And I was like, (laughs) maybe, maybe it was China and the Eastern medicine, like more holistic Mm -hmm. philosophies that changed my point of view, but I've always been healthier. Always. I've always exercised. I've always had good social communities. Um, I always ate healthy, so I always baked healthy alternatives growing up, which like totally falls in line with what I do now. It's a full circle thing, but I just really was like, I don't want to just give people drugs and put focus on that. Like in the first semester, I was like, Mm -hmm. this is only going to get more intense. And it just wasn't my passion anymore. Even though I didn't know at the time what my passion was I was like this is just not it and yeah I only lasted a semester and I dropped out and my mom was like oh my god what are you gonna do my dad was like great if it doesn't serve you don't do it that's awesome that's powerful support from your parent or at least one yeah I'm very blessed (laughs) both of them my mom came around eventually yeah yeah uh, and so prior to that you had how many years of of medical school leading up to that seven is that Mm -hmm. what you said Mm. And that's where kind the tough of. decision comes into play because you're like, I put all this work in prior and right. I'm throwing it away, essentially. Right. right? And I, I didn't even have a fallback, you know, at all. Mm-hmm. And I, I was only here, what, like five months at that point? So still, like, I didn't have a social community built at that time. I didn't find dance yet. Um, I was just at home studying. 10, 12 hours a day. So I didn't know, like I didn't even have any friends really. I had one, mm-hmm. but um, it was tough. But I knew I couldn't do it. Not only because it was another seven years and half a million dollars, but I was like, even if I made it to the end, I wouldn't be happy. Yeah. So around this time, you drop out of med school. Tell me about this process of, you know, finding what became or what is to become raw bites? Are you experimenting? Are you trying different things? Or do you get another part-time job at this time? Like, what does that look like? Okay, okay. So back up a bit. In China, I had visited Bali. Ubud. Did you make it up there? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. I went to a yoga retreat in Ubud. Which one? Yoga barn? I went to yoga barn for one night and did like this. I've actually never talked about this in public before. Let's hear but... it. Let's hear it. <laughs> But it was uh, one of these, I got to really go back into my memory now because I haven't thought about this in a long time. If you were there 
you had to dance. You had to take part. And if you weren't going to take part, you weren't like supposed to be there. You know, it's not like you can just stand on the side of the corner of the room. It's like, if you're there, you have to participate. And it was like this free flow dance type event. And again, I'm an introvert. So this is totally out of my comfort zone. But I remember just leaning into it and participating and like doing it and letting just kind of being a free, like I'm not a good dancer, but just kind of like going with the music and letting my body take over whatever. And just feeling so incredibly free because nobody's judging anybody. You're just in this totally free flowing, open-minded environment where everybody's accepting, loving, you Mm -hmm. feel the love in these places. And and that's why when people travel across the world to go to these things for, to feel that feeling, you know, and I was fortunate enough, I was just filming with a yoga retreat there, but I got to participate in that. And I just remember that feeling and be like, holy shit, that's why these people come across the world for this. It's powerful. Mm -hmm. It's like surrendering everything you're fearing Mm -hmm. and just being and i'm so glad you had that experience yeah i'm glad you brought that back up for me i literally have not thought about that in years but that was in ubud yeah yeah all the magic happens out there Mm -hmm. well it was in ubud i found a dessert cafe but it was a raw dessert cafe because raw nutrition's big out there Mm -hmm. actually at yoga barn their entire restaurant was raw and um i didn't know what raw nutrition was in the States, we have the no-bake protein balls, you know, at Whole Foods or Sprouts, but they're really dry and chalky. And that was my experience with raw or no-bake desserts. So when I got there and I found this place, I was like, it can't be good. But it was extraordinary, like beautiful, beautifully done and healthier, tasted delicious. And I just, I was obsessed because I had grown up taking my mom's brownies and I would make my own in a healthier way. I just loved, I have a horrible sweet tooth or a magnificent sweet tooth. (laughs) I love it. And so I'd always bake healthier. So I found this and I was like, wow, that's unique. That's really cool. And that's in line with what I value. So fast forward into China after Bali, I'm making my own version of these raw desserts for my friends. And then when I came here, I did the same thing. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was stressed out in medical school, I'd be making my own raw desserts. But I lived alone, and I made so many that I would give them away. I went to F45 in Midtown. Mm -hmm. I'd give them away to people there. And they they loved them. They're like, this is great. We want more. What else can you do? We have a party. Can you make it for that? And it just, like, people wanted more of these healthier dessert alternatives, and I loved making them. So the same week that I got fed up with med school is the same exact week where I was like, you know what? Why don't I go all in? Like, why don't I just bet on myself? Like, why can't this be something that is a career? You know, it serves me internally because it's creative. I love doing it. And it serves other people because it's healthy and it makes them feel good. And like, it's a win-win. So I went all in on myself. But I had the support of um, the guy I was with that time, um, he was in- extremely supportive of me in ways that I'll forever be grateful for. But he really encouraged me. And he was like, he's a businessman. So he's like, this is what you got to do. LLC, blah, 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 blah. Instagram. So that's kind of how that naturally happened, where I was like, oh, med school's not it. What am I going to do? And so I didn't get a second job because I had that support from him. And he really believed in me. And I created that Instagram the second after I submitted 
my withdrawal from the semester, created the Instagram, and I just it just took off. Never looked back. I love that you just kind of used the momentum of quitting and put it everything into something else immediately after. You know what's you know? funny? It just, I have not thought of this. Right before I decided to quit, I was so like pent up with this negative energy and confusion and frustration that I went on a run, mm. a long run, fast. And I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing or what is happening, why I feel this way. And I just ran until I knew what to do, until like my intuition was clear to me and it was running. And I, I haven't thought about that until right now, but it was that run where I finally was like, okay, I hear, I can't do it anymore. Yeah. There is some crazy powerful shit that, that happens when you exert force and ideally you get a nice little runner's high, but there's like this clarity that kind of comes with it Absolutely. that I've experienced. And it's crazy because it usually doesn't come like when you need it on demand like that, right. but that's pretty, pretty badass too. So you go on this run, you kind of come away with a sense of clarity and you're like, I yeah. know what I need to do. Yeah. I didn't know how I was going to just quit and what I was going to do, but I was like, you know what? All I know is why and the how and the what will come later. I just knew why I needed to quit. It wasn't alignment. And so I did. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So you're taking all this momentum, you're putting it into starting the business. Talk to me about early days mm -hmm. at Raw Bites. Like you're making everything from your home in your kitchen, right? Mm -hmm. I in assume. uptown. Yeah, in uptown. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're, you're in like a condo or an apartment or mm -hmm. something. An apartment. Tiny ass kitchen. Tiny. It's just slinging these raw <laughs> bites around. What does yep. that What does that look like? Like you know, I, I'm sure there was the moments that were a lot harder early on when you're trying to support yourself. You're starting a new business. You don't know. You know, sometimes, I mean, I just remember for me, I didn't know where my next paycheck was going to come from. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm starting this video business, but like, I don't have consistent income at this point. What does that look like for you early on? It was interesting. I didn't know. I didn't know anything about business. Like, honestly, chase nothing. <laughs> I didn't know anything. And I was just like, we're just going to, you know, the again, the guy I was with, he was a we were together, so I had that support from him. So I'm very, 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 very grateful and blessed. I didn't have to worry about like how I was gonna pay rent at that time. Like extremely blessed for that. So I could pour all my heart and energy into just building this without the fear of, is it gonna support me at that time? Mm -hmm. And that was a massive, blessing because it just allowed me to pour into it only love and I think I mean it it, it showed to other people and it grew really fast I think one because in Charlotte there's not it's kind of we're, not, we're in the south so there's not a lot of healthy um, emphasis anyway on foods and there's a big gluten-free community here you know, that is growing, I think, nationwide anyway, but that's large here. And there's not a lot of vegan desserts here. And um, I think Raw Bites is really unique in that way here, that people loved it and shared it. And word of mouth, because I didn't know anything about advertising at that time or the importance of a good photo or a good video or marketing at all. Um, I don't have any experience in that either, or I didn't at that time. And so what I did have was a really good camera and four years of 
classes of photography. So I knew how to take a good photo. And that paid off for me because that was another like creative outlet for me as well. Mm -hmm. Just taking photos like it's it's art. And so I love to do that with my own product. Um, And I kind of just rolled with it there. And then finding it was honestly Miranda. I just reached out to her one day and early, like two months into Raw Bites. And I was like, I see your page and you like healthy things and dessert. So you want to try mine? And she posted, and the next morning I woke up to like three times the followers, like 30 orders, and it just took off from there. Shout out, Miranda. Shout out, Miranda. Friend of the pod. Yeah. Great girl. She's amazing. She's amazing. She's she's incredible. Her (laughs) impact. And she's got some some swing. She's got some serious influence, for sure. She does, and for good reason. (laughs) She's pure, but man, yeah, blessed for that. It's really... It's like who you know. A lot mm-hmm. of things are about who you know and hopefully with love where they're coming from. And people can read that. You know, they know instinctually if you're good or not. And that's why I think she has such a strong base. And I think you as well with Casually Ambitious. Shout out to you. You're growing fast. Thank and you. everything you do is so, you don't, it doesn't seem like you have an ulterior motive, it's just your passion. And you're authentic and people love that and they attach on to it and, you know, grow with you. Yeah. Well, likewise with you and your branding <laughs> and everything that you do. Uh, so we're getting, you know, beyond the early days. At this point, I believe you you have like a commissary kitchen or how does it work now? Mm. Yeah, I, I got to a point in my apartment where I couldn't manage <laughs> Probably by myself. pretty quick, right? Pretty quick. Yeah. And I remember I hired someone. It was the first employee ever. And I was like, yeah, we're going to work in my apartment. And she was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know, but we're going to work in my apartment. Like, this is what I got. And her name was Flo. She's a blessing. She started it all for me. And then quickly we moved into a kitchen in South End. Mm-hmm. Outgrew that. And now I'm in a large kitchen just off of Independence. But, um, yeah, like, it grows fast. And I needed you know, a staff of four and... It's just crazy. Like, I still feel like such a novice. Like, I'm still, like, learning every single day the algorithm and sales tax and Mm -hmm. all these things. But it's crazy looking back. I just had my three-year Rabbi anniversary. And I just looked at the first. Not at all. just looked at the first photos I took. And I was like, I thought they were good. Yeah. cringe i mean you so you experienced that you're that's not even your forte is media imagine mm-hmm. for us we look back from two three years ago i'm like oh my god do we you did that for a client like <laughs> i mean and that's just natural progression you know you yeah. want that to happen because True. you're getting better and better and better um but being an <laughs> entrepreneur man like it's just a humbling experience almost mm. on a daily basis because you're constantly learning you're constantly realizing okay, there's some serious levels to this shit. Yeah. I'm like down here. <laughs> there's so many other people. But that's the thing you can't get too caught up with is like where everybody else is at because you're on your own journey. Right? So true. Comparison is Com- the thief of joy. Thief of joy. 100%. It's so true. Especially as an entrepreneur, a yeah. budding entrepreneur, because you're like, why am I not there yet? Why am I not there yet? Mm. But you're on your own journey and you have things you still have to learn before you get there. And that's what I'm starting to realize. And one thing I ask myself 
that I actually learned from um, T, who is our uh, project coordinator with Redefine You. She she taught me this. It's just to ask like, when you're dealing with difficult times or hard times, like, what's the lesson? Like, what am I missing here? You know, when something when you're going through it, and shit is hitting the fan and it's just like one thing after another it's just like take a step back and then ask yourself what's the lesson like what am i missing what do i need to pick up and take into my next chapter Um, Mm. because if you do that and you give a little bit of time there's typically always something that you can pull from there's always that's i was just talking about this yesterday to my boyfriend i'm like there's not really and there's not really a, a bad or a wrong because it truly is all a lesson. So why don't you just bet on yourself? You know, trust what you think is right and go for it. Because if it doesn't end up the way you wanted it to, you're going to learn something about what you did or about yourself that is going to provide you a tool to get to where you want to be. And it applies in everywhere in life, mm-hmm. like every everywhere in life. And that's a gift. If you have that awareness that you can learn from everything that happens and you can, you know, choose to have that perspective that I'm always going to fail forward. I'm always going to grow. It serves you exponentially. Yeah. I love that phrase, fail forward. It's so good. It's good. It's good. So for those of uh, who, who aren't familiar with yeah. raw bites, uh, get a little bit more granular with the product and like, mm-hmm. you know, they're vegan ingredients, they're raw ingredients going into it. So what is in a traditional treat that is packed with, you know, some of these negative uh, items that is not in a raw bite? Right. So, yeah, so it's no bake. That's like what I tell people who don't know what raw nutrition is. Nothing's baked. So we don't use ovens and we don't heat anything above 118, which is the temperature that denatures proteins. Did not know that. Mm -hmm. So by doing that, your body can more readily digest Mm -hmm what you're eating and use it as fuel, whatever you need it for. Um, So that's what raw nutrition is. And so, yeah, we're vegan, everything, gluten-free and soy-free and refined sugar-free. So there's no cane sugar. What we use as a sweetener is medjool dates or we have a light, a raw light agave that we import from Mexico and it has a low glycemic index. So it doesn't spike your blood sugar. So you won't feel that high in that crash like you would with a normal dessert. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't add any preservatives or emulsifiers, nothing like that. It's all natural ingredients. But we also add superfoods, a whole range of them. Lucuma, which is a plant, has a caramel flavor. Ashwagandha, which is, you know, like a mellower, will chill you out. Mm -hmm. Maca powder, which is a root, and it's good for, like, mood stabilization or hormone regulation. Um, mesquite powder, we use spirulina, high in iron, a whole range. There's so many superfoods out there and I love adding them. I'm sure you do to your smoothies. I love adding them to the products because it's just more good that Mm -hmm. we can put into people that they wouldn't get other, you know, and all these superfoods also have vitamins and minerals in them, which a lot of Americans don't meet the RDI for in a normal diet Mm -hmm. because everything is highly processed. So that's how we differ differ from a a normal dessert. Let me ask you, just for my own knowledge. So there's sweetener alternatives such as stevia. I don't hear you mentioning anything about stevia. What is um, 
bad about stevia as an alternative sweetener to a traditional sugar or something like that, like a cane sugar. Mm. Um, stevia, monk fruit, those classic sweeteners, they are, they're just, they're processed. So they're not in their raw form, which means they're treated with certain chemicals. And those sweeteners destroy your gut biome. And so the good, you know, people may or may not know there's a lot of bacteria in your gut and in your mouth, but it's all really beneficial for your body. And even in terms of your mental health, you know, your mental clarity, it all, your mood, like it directly impacts those aspects of your health. And these artificial sugars that are zero calorie are just maybe not giving you calories, but they're destroying your gut bacteria, which is where so many other issues come mm -hmm. from not being able to digest you know, your food properly. You know, you can eat all the fruits and vegetables you want, but if you don't have healthy gut bacteria, you're not even going to pull the vitamins and minerals from those fruits you eat that you need. Right. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, so talk to me about what does it look like for you five years from now when you're looking out and you're saying like, what can this be? What is your vision for what Raw Bites can be? Um, do you want to expand outside of, of Charlotte? Um, you know, talk to me a little bit about that. You know, a lot of people ask me that. And I understand the benefit of having a five-year or a 10-year plan because I have goals in all aspects of life. Um, it's something to work for. But honestly, I don't set goals even five years for myself for raw bites because I anything can happen. You know, like I was, when I moved here, I was engaged and I was going to be a doctor and I was going to be married soon. And that was that. <laughs> yeah. And then you just, anything happens. Mm -hmm. And so how I see it is like living day to day, and being grateful for the things that you have now, because you're not even promised tomorrow. Like, not to get cynical, but like, you know, that's why the present moment is the present moment. It's a gift. And it's like, you know, set your short-term goals. So like being in Whole Foods is a goal for Raw Bites for me, ideally by the end of 2024. Um, but beyond that, I don't have huge goals. You know, I could say nationwide, that would be cool. But I don't know if that's something that feels in alignment with what I want. Like, mm -hmm. I do love being a business owner. It brings me a lot of freedom, and I'm very grateful that I can, you know, have a staff and impact them, impact customers, and create these products that aren't in the market. But I just, I, I haven't found yet what would be the most fulfilling for me five years from now, 10 years from now, because anything could happen. You can meet someone on the street tomorrow that changes it all. Maybe I'll move to Italy again and start something there. Like, you know, I don't have that long-term goal. I do know that I want Raw Bites to continue growing. I love the impact that it has and I see it very intimately and it's a beautiful thing that people can eat these desserts and feel so good and then they give positive energy to everyone else around them like that's my why right now i love that you didn't feel like pigeonholed to answer that and like five yeah. you know everybody i feel like has their 
in a box like answer right. for this is what I want five years from now. But I love that you're open minded to, yeah. to whatever's to come will come. Right. Um, and let that journey kind of sure. unravel in front I could of you. franchise. Yeah. I could sell it. I could get a storefront. Yeah. Who knows? Like I'm open to when when to you life. talk about one of your main goals is to get into Whole Foods, like how long is the shelf life of the product? It's probably significantly less Higher, actually. It's higher. Because it's raw. Really? So nothing's going to spoil. Really? They'll dry out. It's two weeks in the fridge mm. or two month, months in the freezing. Wow. So they last a while. Yeah. So I've started the process for Whole Foods. Okay. Um, but it's quite like, it's a, it's a big it's a one to get in there. But yeah. we'll do it. We'll do it eventually. I'm sure you will. I have no doubt about it. So I can speak from experience. Your products are absolutely amazing. Uh, my favorite... I probably got to say, like, you have some of these, like, Sammies uh-huh. that you call them. I don't know exactly which one I had, but it was probably the best dessert I've ever had. It was, like, um, oh I know you have, like, multiple Sammies, like, different yeah. flavors or whatever, but it was one of those. And um, just to experience it and describe it, like, you know you're eating something that's a treat, but it's, like... I don't know. It's just something different about it that it's not like a traditional dessert where you're like, I'm going to feel like shit in 20 minutes after I eat right. this and have this guilty feeling associated with it. It just doesn't come. Um, one, because it's probably a mental thing knowing you're eating something cleaner. And two, just what's in the product. It's not processed. And it's just naturally, you know, something that your body agrees with. It's totally a mental thing. And I see in my friends and my family like you know your mind is powerful it can make you sick or it can heal you just your mind alone without any medicine or anything and so when people eat these desserts and my mom <laughs> love her but she used to like she would eat a brownie and be like oh i'm being so bad mm-hmm. or this is gonna i'm gonna feel so bad after eating this and because you say it and you think it you do right and your body hears you and it releases cortisol and it stores everything that you just ate as fat because it says we're stressed. We're about to be, you know, think primitive years. We're about to be in a war in starving. We got to keep everything. And it, that's what your body does. And so it's like what a blessing it is to be able to eat something that tastes like that brownie. But you know it's good for you. And it is the ingredients are good for you. But then to know it and to think, oh, this is so good. I can eat this and feel great. Life's great. You're going to have dopamine. You're going to have great digestion. And then you're going to have good energy. Mm-hmm. And then think about just how you impact people with your energy. Even by saying nothing, you just have that. And it's such a ripple effect. It's way beyond just a protein bite, you know? Like food is medicine Absolutely. in so many ways. Absolutely. Dee got me a, a Raw Bites cake for my birthday. It was incredible. I finished my race and th- it was a week after my birthday. I kid you not, I ate half the cake when I came back because I, you burn 15,000 calories. Like, I don't, right. I don't care what I, but like, you know, normally you eat half a cake, you're going to feel like dog shit for the next probably day and a half. Sure. 
I felt great, you know, and it was exactly what I was craving. Like, that's what I was wanting. I just remember like being on my last lap and be like, all right, I'm going to go in. on Did the you really? Cake after this. 100%. 100%. I'm so I told D before the race, like when I get back, this cake's going to be gone. I promise you. So oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. I want to put that on my website as a testimonial. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you so much for coming on. I really enjoyed our conversation. For anybody who wants to try Raw Bites, where can they find you? Where can they mm. reach out? Um, if you go onto the website, which there's a link on the Instagram, if you have Instagram, there is a tab that says retailers. And that's where you can find a list of everyone in Charlotte that you can buy Raw Bites. One of the bigger names is Salted Melon. Their display case up front is stocked with Raw Bites, Barry Brook Natural Farms, Crank Coffee. Those are just some of the places or you can order directly online mm -hmm. and that's where you'll schedule a pickup at the kitchen so amazing or just right out here today is uh the market we're at so oh you guys are out here today. Mm -hmm. nice that's every one sunday a month nice we'll be out there and so currently you can't ship outside of charlotte no we ship nationwide you do. yeah okay cool so on the website there's a a page called shippable mm. and all the products on there you can ship amazing nationwide amazing cool one question for you yeah what you do is obviously incredible. And what you do is hard. Like no one's, not many people run 100 miles. So what is your why? Like why do you do these extremely hard things? But why be on yourself? Like what does it give you? What's that feeling? Great question. I think people get asked about their why a lot. And again, it's like you kind of have this canned answer for this. But... I was actually thinking about this yesterday. It's like, truly, truly, what do I get out of running 100 miles or, or pushing myself to these things? Um, for me, it's a sense of like pursuing something that really, really scares me that I don't know if I can take on. But the fact that I don't know and then I overcome it and then I know for a fact that I do, it's almost like just challenging what you're capable of for yourself. It's the same thing as like buying a one-way ticket and then making it work in China or, you know, starting a business and making it work. It's, I crave these big risk type things and then proving to myself on the back end that I can do them. And I can not only do them, but I can do anything that I set my mind to in turn, you know? So that's, I think, why I'm attracted to ultra mile, 100 mile races, starting a business, buying a one-way ticket, very similar to you. It's like this, there's a huge risk involved and things could go really poorly, but I'm going to bet on myself every single time. When you overcome these, what's the feeling that it gives you that makes you want to continue? Cause you just did another hundred miles. <laughs> I think I've read you were looking at 200 mile race. Like, what is it like, uh, what is it that gives you that purpose to continue doing it? Even if you can prove to yourself over and over, like it must be for a greater reason. You know, like, you know, you have your impact on socials, but like, what is it? What's that feeling that you get where you're like, yeah, I, I did it. Like something, it's a feeling that must drive you. Sure. It's incredibly fulfilling to put your body through something like that. Um, and to, again, not know if you can, and then through trial and error, figure out that you can. And like, at the end of these things, your body hurts in a way that you just can't really fathom. Um, running a marathon will get you like a small dose of it, but running mm -hmm. 100 miles is just a different beast. And you run 100 miles and then you can't really walk the, the next two, three days. And people are like, well, why would you want to do that? 
something about that pain and suffering I just I don't know what the term is or how to describe it but there's something that I love about that and um, it's just the feeling of overcoming um, I'm not sure I'm not really doing a good job of describing it all right but I was, I'm just curious I, I I like to consistently like just level up and see you know what I can do and another thing that I was thinking about yesterday when when I was thinking about this is if somebody asked me um, what motivates you and at the end of the day, what motivates me is like we have one crack at life. We have one shot at life. Life is finite. We all have, Very. as you said earlier in the pod, like tomorrow could be our last day, you know? And for me, if, if, that, if I know that to be the case, why would I not try and, you know, do some great things and push myself to whatever I'm capable of in the time that I do have left? So that's another thing is just like sign up for the fucking race, buy the ticket, <laughs> start the business, like do all you can in the short amount of time, fail forward because you're not going to be able to do all the things you set your mind to. Some things you're going to come up short, Mm -hmm. but you're going to learn from that and you're going to be able to take that into your next chapter, next endeavor. How do you think other people see what you do and get that? Like, how do you think it impacts other people? I don't really, I've never really thought about it. I mean, obviously I know it does um, to some extent because people reach out, which is great. And, I want to be able to contribute to other people's stories if it motivates them or however along the way. Um, And I do really get filled up. My cup gets filled up from being able to help other people. But at the end of the day, like, if that's kind of a byproduct because I'm going to do this one way or another. If there was social media or if there wasn't, I'd still do it just because it's, it's my passion. It's what I enjoy and what really, really gets me going. So I will say it, you know, it's it's fairly recent where I've started to post about all this. It's been mm. about a year now that I've been posting about it. It's been about three months since I've actually got some traction on social and everything. So it's still fairly, fairly new, and I'm still navigating that. Um, but there is a lot of responsibility that comes with it that mm-hmm. I certainly appreciate, and I'm starting to realize and, and figure out how to navigate because, you know, you can't put... Um, everything you want to say always on social because people will just take it very literally or like take Mm -hmm. it the wrong way. So I'm starting to navigate that too. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's another responsibility that comes with it, but one that I will take on um, and try to take on with grace and, you know, just be respectful of um, because it's, it's a big ask. Yeah. That's beautiful to know, to have that awareness that you do impact others and people look up to what you're doing. I mean, I sure do. A lot of people do. It's so cool what you're doing. So thank you. I know that you do it from a place of love. And I think everyone picks up on that. And there's not a lot of people that use what they're doing with such grace. So thank you. I respect what you do. Thank you for coming on the pod. Thank you for having me. Amazing conversation. That was lovely. Yeah. That's the pod, everybody. Thank you.